The Grinch is always uh, at risk to rob us of our Christmas, isn't he? But in this particular scene we watched today, we saw the Grinch come to himself. We watched him wise up. We watched him realize that he needed to do the right thing. We're in a series entitled Christmas is for Giving. And last week we talked about the element of forgiveness. Uh, We kind of considered the fact that uh, people have hurt us. Anybody here escaped life without somebody hurting you? I don't think so. And we talked about how much better Christmas could be and the essence of Christmas being forgiveness. God sending his son to bring that very element into our lives. So we talked about how to forgive one another. Now this week we're going to go just a little different direction. Matter of fact, it's almost the opposite in whole direction. We're going to talk about the fact that not only have we been hurt by people, we have also hurt people. Amen? Now, I know why I didn't get a hearty amen on that, because it's much easier to consider the other direction, isn't it? Uh, It's kind of like, how many of you have ever loaned something valuable to someone else, and you still don't have it back? Come on. You've loaned something to someone. If I've got anything of anybody's, just tell me, please, right now. But you've given them something, and they haven't given it back, and you know you're not real happy about it. You're not sure if it might hurt the relationship or friendship if you talk to them about it. But that sorry, no good jerk still has your stuff, right? Well, stop and think about that dynamic as compared with this one. How many, you, how many of you have something that someone loaned you and you've never given it back? Three of us. The rest of those sorry, no good jerks go to another church, right? Won't give this stuff back, right? You see, it's easy to kind of desire someone to come to you and offer forgiveness, isn't it? It's easy to to think about, well, I would like reconciliation, and if they'll offer, uh, you know, take the first step, offer up the first word of repentance, then I'll forgive them. And that's kind of what we talked about last week, but we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty today, and we're going to talk about the fact that in all of our lives and in many, many of our relationships and friendships, whether they be at work or just a casual friends or at church or more importantly, even within our families. We have done and said things that have caused major rifts in our relationship. Men are especially good at this, aren't they? Uh, Some questions that ladies ask men are impossible to answer right. Amen. And, you know, we never get any better about it. What if your wife said to you, fellas, you remember two weeks ago when we were in the car and you looked at me really funny? What were you thinking? I don't know a man that can remember past two minutes. 
you probably had something in your eye or something that day and you were looking funny. Or what about this one? We're going to have Christmas dinner at our house. Who cooks better, me or your mama? It's the right answer, guys, just so I know. Boy, we need remedial work here. How about this? How does this outfit look on me? (laughs) Just hold up. It's a 10, baby. (laughs) But sometimes, sometimes we say things and, and we hurt people and we never realize it. And, and, and there is all this distance, there's this major gulf, even within families of, of folks who won't speak to each other, and, and you probably have a list tucked somewhere in your wallet or your purse, and you've got about 20 people on there, and, and you say, you know what, if I see that person, I'm going to run the other way. I'm not going to speak to them. It can be within your family or outside your family. But let's just kind of begin with this foundational question today. How many of you have hurt someone, if you're honest about it? How many of you have hurt someone who's important to you? Sure you have. That's the best vote I've ever got right there. You have have done things that you probably didn't mean to. And here's what happens at Christmas. And here's what happens really within the dynamics of a family you, you, you start to pretend that those issues aren't there. Uh, Whosoever house you're at, the, the hostess is, is saying things like that. Well, let's put him down at this end of the table and him down here at this end of the table. And please don't let Sally sit by Sue because that's trouble right there. And, and, and they're juggling the whole experience Because there are people around the table, there are people within the room who barely tolerate each other and who won't acknowledge that there's an issue and do anything about it. Are there people at work that you you think about how you could slap them on the way to work? I mean, and instead of doing something about it, you just allow that conflict to dictate your happiness day after day after day. We need to quit pretending we don't have issues. Amen? You might be sitting on the row with somebody that you need to fix something with today. You need to quit pretending that God doesn't want to see that rift healed. And you need to quit pretending there'll ever really be true peace in your life, in the life of your family, in your work life, in your church life, until that's healed. I... uh, was with a family, yeah, it's been two or three years ago, and uh, they had a daughter who looked like probably 17, 18 years old, and she was a tall young lady, probably 5'7", 5'8", right here, I'm not that short, and, uh, and she may have weighed 80 pounds, and we sat at the table, and we ate, and she ate a few bites, and then excused herself to go to the bathroom. 
What do you think was wrong with her? Anorexia, bulimia. I've defeated that disease, I wanted you to know, by the way. <laughs> Amen? She excused herself, went to the bathroom, and later that evening I was talking to her father and I said, do you think she might have an eating disorder? Oh, no, she's fine. Are there a lot of things in your family that you ignore? You don't talk about, you don't bring out on the table? Just pretend aren't there? Could be an addiction, could be alcoholism, uh, it could be two family members who, who just have such a rift that it almost destroys whatever you try to do together. Most of you know that my mother passed away this week, and, uh, and I want to just pause and say you know, how blessed my family has been by the love that you guys have poured out. And uh, I will never forget those of you who went out of your way to make this week an easier week for me. There were hundreds of things that were done. So this is me bragging on you and thanking you. We went to the, to the graveside cemetery in Owenton. And uh, when you live in Owen County, there's a pretty good chance that you're kin to everybody else. So there were several people who gathered because we're kinfolk. And I noticed that a couple of my cousins were kind of right in the middle of, of, of everything that was happening. And then they saw another cousin drive up, who I know is a fact they've not spoken to each other for 27 years. One cousin's husband shot the other cousin's dog, or husband's dog. I didn't say shot her husband, right? <laughs> Help me. Shot the dog. And since that time, I saw the dog. He needed to be shot. Uh, <laughs> since that time, they haven't spoken. And they made sure to move away where they could avoid doing it that day. You know, isn't that sad? But I'm afraid that's repeated over and over and over and over again in all of our lives. There are people that, that we're dealing with continual conflict with. There's a list of folks we, we don't want to be anywhere around, and, and, and we believe that God honors that kind of behavior. Let's talk about how it happens. And, and if you stop and you diagnose the problem, I think it's really pretty simple. We, we judge others, one another, and we enter into conflict, I believe, after we judge their actions or their deeds because that's all we see. We, we see the external. We hear what someone says about us. And we see how they treat us. And that's how we judge them. And so it's easy to fall into conflict. And it's easy to hurt other people without them knowing it. Because we judge ourselves by our intentions. Uh, if I want to enter into a conversation with Mike, I know that my intentions might be good, but something I say might be volatile, and he's bigger than me, so he could hurt me. Just a little bigger, not a lot. I know my intentions, but they may not know your intentions. 
They may not know that that's not what your heart is saying, even though your mouth is saying it. And so we have all of these conflicts and all of these hurt feelings and all of this disparity in relationships because we judge not by intent, but by word and deed. And we can't, we can't understand why somebody's hurt. I got a Facebook post, a message, I guess you'd call it. Post is what everybody can see, right, guys? Message is what you don't want anybody else to see, right? And, and so this lady from a former church few years ago sends me a Facebook message that was as, about as long as the book of Genesis. And in that she was saying, basically, you hurt me badly. You said this to me. Well, I told her the truth. So what, what, she didn't want to hear that. And she was forgiving me. I can't allow this to be on my heart and mind anymore and yada, 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 on and on and on in in a hundred different ways. But she was pouring out her heart saying, I want reconciliation. Now, now here's here's the problem. I thought she liked me. (laughs) I had no clue she was that upset. And, and, and I think there may be a lot of that that happens inside the dynamics of our family. And here's my prayer, is that God will constantly convict you about hurting others. God will constantly convict you about hurting others. He will reach in and grab you by the heart until you get whatever needs to be gotten out of the middle of those relationships that frame your life. Remember when you were in school and you'd have a fire drill? Anybody? Y'all must not have went to school. They still do those, don't they, Chad? And what do you do? What do they tell you? Really quickly, what do they tell you? Stop, drop, and roll. Well, that's kind of going to be the premise of what we're going to learn today about how to fix those broken relationships, especially with people that we've hurt. Stop, drop, and roll. Except roll didn't fit very well, so I changed it to give. Forgive me. First of all, I want us to look at this passage. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. If you have your Bibles, take a second to turn there. Matthew chapter 5. It'll appear on the screen. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, I want you to picture this scene. Jesus is describing what every good Jew would do in order to fix their relationship with God or what every good Jew would do to make sure that they were in right standing with God. They would bring their sacrifice, they'd bring their offering to the altar. So he says, when you do that, remember if your brother has something against you. What's he saying? If you've hurt someone. If your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar. You remember many times when we we talk about sharing and communion with each other. Bible says in 1 Corinthians that we examine ourselves first of all. 
to see if there's anything that we need to get out of our life, if there's anything we need to repent of so that we can be in right relationship with God when we share in communion. Same principle here. Same principle. Jesus is teaching that if there's something against someone in your life, before you even try to make things uh, right with God, before you even offer up to God a sacrifice, you should stop and drop that before it gets to the altar. Agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, lest the judge hand you over to the officer and you'll be thrown into prison. Well, we don't want anything to go that far, do we? So what do we do? If you've hurt someone today, how do you fix that? Where do you go? What do you do? How do you make it happen? The first thing you do is you just stop. You stop right where you are at, right here, right now, and just honestly, where you sit, take an inventory of the people in your life, relationships in your life, and ask yourself very honestly, have I hurt someone? Have I hurt several someones? Are there folks who won't speak to me? Are there folks who avoid me? Are there things that I have done over the years or recently that keep me from having the kind of relationships that God designed for me? Just be honest. Some of you raised your hand. I can't help but believe that practically everybody in this room has hurt someone. Everybody. Take an inventory of your relationships and then begin to take very practical steps to fix it rather than ignore it. You know, that's tough to do, isn't it? It's tough to go to anyone and say, I was wrong. I was stupid. I hurt you. Said something I shouldn't have said. Did something I shouldn't have done. I lied to you. I didn't act like Jesus to you. Stop and make a plan to fix what you've broken. Secondly, I want you to write down the word drop. Bible talks about it being something that you have to stop whatever else it is that you're doing to make happen. How many commandments are there in the Old Testament? Anybody know? Man, we need a series on the commandments, don't we? Seven of you knew there were ten. How many commandments in the Old Testament? Thank you. How many commandments in the New Testament? There are two. Here's what Jesus said. You've read the Old Testament, you know there are ten commandments. But I tell you, there are two. I'm glad he cut some of those out in the Old Testament, aren't you? Actually, in cutting anything out, he just built upon. He said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. What's he saying? Love God passionately, unconditionally. Be in love with God. And then he said, Love your neighbor as yourself. Remember that? Yeah, I like one, don't you? 
But you know what? God didn't know my neighbors. Amen? You know, he, he wasn't thinking about that. Jesus wasn't thinking about what people have done to me and maybe what I've done to people. He doesn't know how, how tough they can be to love when he said that. Isn't it interesting how he couched it too? He didn't say love them as much as you love me or, or love them a whole lot. He said, love them as much as you love yourself. In other words, put them above you. Now, if those are the two things that are most important that Jesus wanted to leave behind, can you not see the urgency of repairing relationships that are marked by conflict rather than love? Amen? If that's what Jesus said is most important, being in the right relationship with God and having the right relationships with one another, why are we so reluctant to do repair work? Why are we so reluctant to forgive? Why are we so reluctant to repent? Why do we allow things to fester? Why do we allow folks to grow bitter? Why do we have family members that we can't be in the same room with for very long. You see, listen to me. Death is, is, is fresh on my mind this week, and, and, it, and it struck me this week in, in a couple of funerals, and one of them being my mother's that I participated in, that life comes to an end unexpectedly. And that the only thing that lasts the only hope we have is in the fact that relationships last past this world. Amen. All of us have loved ones in heaven. And the only thing that makes death bearable, grief bearable, is the promise of the restoration of those relationships. So how can we be so foolish to allow things to rob us of our joy, relationships and friendships? Jesus said there's an urgency about it. You know, I, I don't know much or as much as I should about how the synagogue worked back in Jesus' day, how the temple worked, but I dare say they were as excited about getting an offering as we are at Burlington Baptist Church. I love to see people give. Jesus said, put the offering down. I know it's a priority, but a greater priority is that right now, before you do anything here, you go out there and you fix what's wrong between you and your sister or your brother or your neighbor. Fix it. There's an urgency there. Anybody here ever lost a child that they liked? I mean, you're at an amusement park somewhere. You're in the shopping mall. I didn't really say that very well, but just go with it, okay? It's been a tough week, okay, guys? Let me start again. You ever been out shopping or out on a fun trip and you lost a child that you liked? Whew, 
Pull me out of this one, Jesus. How frantic were you to find him? How frantic were you to find him? Anything else matter in your life right then? I've even walked past Auntie Ann's pretzel stands to look for a child I've lost without stopping. (laughs) And that's the same sense of urgency that Jesus is talking about here. Drop everything. Don't consider doing anything else until you fix it. Then would you write down the word give? And, and before you can give what you need to someone else to fix something, you bathe it in prayer. You, you pray that God will give you the, the chance to make it right. That God, that God will place the two of you. And, and you know what? You pray that prayer, it'll happen. They will not sit you at the other end of the table. You pray that God will give you the chance to make it right. And you make a face-to-face appointment. Somebody gets mad at me or I get mad at somebody, I send them a text. That's a lot easier, isn't it? Email them, Facebook them, tweet it. That doesn't work. In fact, it just jumbles it up more and more often than not, doesn't it? You make a face-to-face appointment. Bear in mind that if you do your part, God will do his part. You believe that? You know what? I, I, I've been in those situations where it didn't work very well. I've prayed about it, gone to a person. They hadn't prayed about it, I don't think. There are some things that you can only go so far. And God can heal the rest. It's kind of a human and a divine effort to make it work. And then finally, give your heart and your gifts to God. Romans 12.1 talks about that very thing. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice. What do you think living sacrifice means? I think it means everything to God. You give Him everything holy, acceptable. It's your reasonable service. You give God everything. You give Him your burdens and your joys, your heartaches your victories. You give him the good in your relationships and you give him the bad. You give it all to him and you see what he will do. And so many of us linger in conflict because not only do we not give it to God, we never even pray about it. We never even offer it to him. Life is short. It's far too short to spend with a list of people 
that you don't want to be around, that you're angry or are angry at you. Life's short. But even a greater danger is this idea that maybe there's a rift between you and God. Not sure that anyone can really, really, really celebrate, enjoy, participate in Christmas if there's a big obstacle, a big weight on your heart, a big burden that keeps you from loving God, being loved by Him. And so the invitation today really is twofold. If you're here today and there's something that isn't right between you and God, if there's a barrier to blessing, if, if there's a rebellion in your heart and life, if, if you aren't comfortable here because you can't even speak or listen to God, if you've sinned against Him and not repented, if you've failed Him and not promised to do better, If there's something between you and him that's broken, start there today. And then I believe he will give you the strength that you never realized you had to go to the people in your life whom you have hurt and offer repentance and reconciliation. Guys, I don't know that I've ever asked you to do anything harder than that. But I don't know that I've ever asked you to do anything that will be more rewarding. Who have you hurt? And what do you need to do about it? Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you today that you've brought us to this place so that we might hear and we might act upon what we've heard a message from you my prayer is that in our families in our relationships and our friendships that we would find the strength to fix what we've had a hand in breaking that we'd learn to pray and trust you believe that you'll bring good out of bad And Father, that if if there's something that we need to do or say to make sure that things can be right again, that we won't hesitate to do it. Convict us. Grab us by the heart. Father, if there are those here today who are just not sure where they're going to spend eternity, not sure of their salvation, not sure how they're relating to you, Father, would you draw them? your altar to a place of forgiveness mercy, grace and peace right here Father in this place right now everything changes in Jesus name I'm going to ask you to stand with me the altar on my left and right is open for those of you who need to come pray I'll be standing right here to talk and share and pray with you if you need me to about how you can fix what's wrong. It's a chance for you to share with family or friends or just come by yourself and have a moment with God where you say, thank you, Father, 
and I'll share in this communion as my appreciation, my remembrance of you. Whatever he's asking you to do, 